I'm Sparks of Rocket Knight and Doodles is right, everybody. It's a great day to see some gym race. Alright, the Alpha Nuclear is lining up right now. The Mars and Jupiter and Venus and Mercury and Ford and Lincoln Genie getting ready to accept the face of the go! Sour's off to a quick lead, but it's been outpaced by Mud. Sour Mud, who wanted that flavor? Hello, I've been looking shades up and now they're both being run around by spring. Well, isn't that nice spring was always my favorite season? Cannon and Echo are locked neck and neck, and we can't tell which one's first at this point. There's a vine, a body in the middle of the race, like it's knocking over every, everything over its way, and every eye is glued on it. It sure looks funny with all those eyes glued on it. That kite's running away from Squall and Hail. It can't touch the torch either. Ground is everywhere, ground is closing in on the exit. It's covering the ground, and that's the key. How back in the race? Corona just came by. It's blinding everyone but the other Dijin. Corona may have won the road crew. Actually, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very small accident involving 85 people. We're scripting this to come along to make sure that everybody is okay. Blitz is almost there, but it's being stopped by Weezy. An awful lot of salt. There we have it, ladies and gentlemen. We have the winner! And as the racers all run off into their podiums once again, we can say live on the internet, it is the RPG track. The sun rises and sets on the Game Boy Advance today as our all-star cast of RPG fanboys drool over the Golden Sun series. Our panelists also go from the barbarian adventures to futuristic space operas and blasts from the recent past. So grab your axes and laser pistols and boot up your GBA. You're locked and loaded into RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 16, where we can't pronounce any proper nouns, we encourage spoilers, and the host cannot remember the guests' names. I'm Phil Willis. And I am still not on the computer, but on a telephone, because that's the only way I can be with you right now. Um, what, what's your name again? I forget. Mike Stinky? Stinky? Uh, you can either call me Zoro or... Yeah, I guess Mike Minky works, but uh, okay. Zoro, I'm, I'm trying to go by that name, and maybe it'll happen if I just keep saying it and let everybody get used to me under that name. It's the masked man. Back again with us is Mr. Charles Raymer. How you doing, Charles? I'm her. Everything going good for you? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, y'all excited? Ready to talk about some old games today? Sure. Sure. And... Don't even try to pronounce my name. You won't get it right. <laughs> Haven't we pronounced it before? I, but that's, that's, yeah, that's my, that's my whole shtick, man. I get to, I slaughter people's name. It's Adrian Dowden Dowdy Doohickey. Sure, let's go with that. All right. <laughs> have a new name, Adrian, I think. This is your official new name. Was, I, I think that one was a first. Yeah. I think we're going to change your profile to that. There you go. <laughs> Adrian, welcome to RPG Backtrack. Why don't you share with our audience uh, what you do at RP Gamer, what's your handle? Give us a give us an overview. Who is Adrian well, Doohickey? <laughs> uh, well, my handle is uh, on our, uh, RC. Uh, I'm, I'm known as Rogue Omega, and uh, I'm a game reviewer. I generally handle most a lot of the new titles, uh, whereas Mike here handles the older titles. So, I don't exactly know what I'm doing on a podcast about older games when I play the new ones, but here I am. Woohoo! What's your favorite type of RPG? Uh, I like action RPGs for the most part. Uh, part. I love the Tales series, and uh, but I'm not 
I'm not against other types of RPGs, except for tactical RPGs. I can't stand them. And that's about it. There you go. And what's your favorite RPG of all time? Tales of Symphonia, without a question. <laughs> all of the... No, not, well, the Tales games, I think, is second place, right? No, actually, the second place would be Persona 3, I think. Ah, great game. I um, do love Persona 3. I, I've been dying to ask you a question for like, oh, I don't know, almost a year now, give or take. How did the transition happen from Omega Byte to Robomega? What's the story? Oh, this, this is a long story. Uh, okay, actually, it's not that long. Um, uh, few, about a year ago, I think, maybe a little more than a year ago, in, uh, in uh, our RPG staff channel in IRC, uh, Michael Cunningham, that's Max Storm, was uh, having a good time by assigning... Uh, character names from Chrono Trigger to different staff members, and uh, somehow I ended up uh, being assigned uh, the character Robo, mainly because uh, apparently I'm a robot in that I review games way too fast. <laughs> so um, <laughs> at that point I just changed my RC handle to Robomega and it stuck. Cool. Um, okay. And we also have Mr. Mike Tidwell. Did I actually get that one right? Well, it's Michael, but otherwise. Dang, damn it! I was so close, <laughs> so close. Have you Someday. been? Have you been on this show before? I can't remember. I got short-term memory. I have not. Oh, hey! Welcome to the show, Mr. Michael Tid Tid Tiddlywinks. How are you doing? This would be a lot better before that intro. Yeah, I, I think Michael's got a new handle too. I don't think so. We're not going there. Michael, for our esteemed audience out here in RPG Backtrack Land, can you tell us what your handle is on RP Gamer and what you do? Uh, my nickname is Fire Mist, and I do nothing. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> At least he's got a good sense of humor about it. <laughs> no, I, uh, I am the owner of the site, and I, uh, I do a lot of the back-end coding right now. I do occasional reviews, like I did... Uh, Soccer Wars. But overall, um, I've had to get a real job, so I kind of do that now. <laughs> uh, give us a brief overview of your gaming history. What got you so interested in our, you know, RPGs that you created this site? Uh, that would be uh, Dragon Warrior. Mm. So that was my first RPG, and that was quickly followed by Final Fantasy. And um, it just kind of grew from there playing all the Dragon Warriors on the uh, Nintendo. Sweet. We like to talk about things in the past here at, at RPG Backtrack. Can you just give us like a 60, 90 second um, overview of, of RP Gamer? You know, uh, um, when did it start? How it got started? How it uh, took sure. off and became the juggernaut of RPG goodness that it is today? The juggernaut of RPG goodness. All right. Um, well, it started back in... Uh, 1998. Uh, for those not lucky enough to be around then, uh, it was a uh, it was called Square.net, which was the evolution of the unofficial Squaresoft homepage. Uh, it was run by Andrew Vestal, and uh, he had decided to give up the project because it was too much time. He's trying to do college and all that nonsense, and he was just like, "Well, I'm, I'm going to shut it down." And I said, "Well, that's not cool because I really like this page." So. You know, I couldn't. I didn't know Andrew Vestal. Um, I was just like, "Well, I wanna, I wanna run this page too," 
So I was like, well, I can start downloading it because I have this big fat, you know, university connection or whatever, and I can do what I need to to make sure the site lives on. I wasn't sure what I was really going to do. I was probably just going to archive it and, you know, write new HTML or something, which I wasn't very good at. So I was like, oh, this should be fun. And then my friend says, hey, I know Andrew, and gets me in contact and says, you know, this is Michael, and he wants to take it over. And he's like, well, okay, that sounds cool. But then we actually got a letter from Square, and they're like, you know, we don't like the name Square.net. People think you're us, and that's bad, so don't do it anymore. And we hummed and hawed, and I was like, well, the only way we can solve this problem is if we cover all RPGs from multiple companies, and then one company gets pissy at us, and we can just go, eh, whatever. Just won't cover their stuff. And that's pretty much how RP Gaming was born. And, uh, you know, it was pretty much just a site where we wanted to cover role-playing games and talk with people who liked role-playing games, and it just grew and grew, and we started talking to more companies and actually getting those weird things called review copies that we, you know, no idea how to get before. And suddenly, when you actually review games when they're released, people pay attention to you, and more companies are pitched to us, and I would say we're official, like... We would have been considered a media and not a fan site probably in 2001, and we've just grown from there. And one of the things I liked about RP Gamer, I still like about it today, is that even though it has the popularity of, you know, that to where it's attracting that attention and getting review copies, and, and you got the relationships with uh, those bigger companies, uh, it's still run heart and soul by by people who just love RPGs. Uh, and whatnot. So, I mean, every one of us who's on there doing the games, reviews the games, does so because we love RPGs and we always give it a fair shake. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm sure uh, Adrian can tell us a few stories about, you know, how he's given scores that aren't exactly popular out there uh, in the community or with the publishers <laughs> or whatever have you. Um, oh, do I ever have stories? <laughs> <laughs> I bet we all have a couple of those. But that's. But it, you know, that's what makes this kind of cool. We don't give everything a 7, 8, 9, and, you know, like most of the other websites. We, we have no problem giving something a 1.5 or a 2.0 if it's a bad game. Right. We totally review, believe in the full review scale. There's no point having a five-point scale and using two points of it. So, you know, let's, let's flesh out everything. If you have a 1 through 5, then some things get 1s. That's just how it works. Um, okay. So... Let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, you have anything else for us before we head on? Not really. No nope. one asking the questions. That's right. And I kind of ran out for a second there, so we'll go ahead. We'll go ahead and move this uh, move this carriage on. It's time for blast from the recent past.
today's blast from the recent past section where we talk about games that came out this time two years ago is actually very, very short. Um, and mm. this will be practically the shortest blast from the recent past section we've ever done. Um, Age of Conan, Hyborian Adventures came out. Did any of y'all play it? Nope. 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 I Wasn't it an MMO or something? Yeah, it's I think a, it was. Uh, you know, and, and I kept... I have the clo- collector's edition here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get this straight. You have the collector's edition, but you I haven't played it. The collector's the original release, and they're like... I, I come home one day, and it's literally like this, this... It looks like a book. I'm like, why do I have this giant book? And I, you know, I look at it, and I'm like, oh, I see, they gave me a collector's edition of an MMO I had no intention of playing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Are the servers closed down, or are they still uh, open? A lot of them need to shut down, I believe. I don't think they're all down, but it's they've like been cut in half at least. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I, I know when the game came out, you know, it came to mixed reviews. Like many MMOs, when it came out, it had a couple of bugs. Uh, it wasn't really fleshed out at the higher levels. Was a lot of cri- uh, big criticism I saw against it. But the um, but the combat system was pretty innovative. Uh, you, you actually had to do some reaction in real time to what the enemies were doing. It, if I remember correctly, and I'm just going totally off of memory here, but I, b- I believe you could, uh, depending on how you moved around or used the uh, movement keys or whatever have you, you could do combos or block or something along those lines. So it felt more action RPG-ish than your standard uh, MMO. Um, but uh, yeah, like many MMOs <laughs> that try... You know, unfortunately, except for Warcraft, it didn't quite grow. So, yeah, I've heard that they shut down some servers. I would love to hear, if someone wants to leave some comments on the board or send us an MP3 or something, I would just love to hear uh, if anyone's still playing this game, what they think of it, has it, is it a much, you know, a much better game now? I know a lot of MMOs get better over time. Um, not all of them, but some of them do. From what do. I've heard, actually, from what I've heard is uh, that the game did get better over time. It's actually a really good game, but uh, it had a ton of balance and bug issues when it was first released, and that just really hurt it. And yeah. it just never recovered. Yeah, they, they, yeah, that's that's a big problem for these guys. They lose a lot of people right off at the beginning, and they didn't really pick it back up. Because you know, there's just not really a lot of big sites that go back and review these things two, two years after the fact. So, I remember another good thing about it was the graphics. I heard it had phenomenal graphics for an MMO. So. And um, this other game isn't really a full, real, well, uh, we were kind of discussing this earlier. Uh, Mass Effect came out this time two years ago, but it was the Mass Effect PC version. Uh, the Xbox version came out, what was it, back in November or so of 2000? Yeah, November 2007. Yes, we could talk about it just a little bit here. Um. Yeah, I uh, I played it on the 360, and I, I I thought I'd finished it, but I never got the achievements, and I realized it's because I was messing with my router and never got the 360 online. But ah. then when uh, Steam offered, I think I think it was ten dollars for Mass Effect, I just snagged the PC version and blew through that in like three days. Did you find that the PC version was better? Did it look better, or did it have extra options or anything? Um. It definitely looked better. It definitely played better. I mean, aiming with the the mouse is just superior in almost every way. And uh, as far as usability, um, I mean, there were just some bugs in the inventory in the 360 that they had fixed for the PC. So that was nice. Um, I still just pretty much hated and ignored the inventory system anyway. And 
other than that, you know, I pretty much played mostly the same other than that. I just, I was a lot easier, quicker to target, faster to shoot, you know, things like that. I forgot the big thing is they fixed the AI on your companions so they're not stupid, and they actually don't just sit there and shoot the wall all day, and that does help a lot. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. And I think it also, I think the PC version, I, if I'm not mistaken, the experience, yeah, you know, the, the the little mini expansion material came included. I think there was uh, some ruin. Uh, bring down the sky. Yeah, because I think that was extra on the 360, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, Jeff, def- oh, go ahead. It's funny because um, I, I downloaded it from Steam and I started to play it and it was crappy. It literally wouldn't run on my machine. I'm like, well, like, my machine isn't that bad. So we patch it and it still runs like crap. And then we download Bring Down the Sky. And it's like, oh, all fixed. <laughs> so it's like that was that was the mega patch for the PC. And, and that one, that one, it, the patch wasn't. You had to go to the website or something, right? It wasn't an easy, or, or yeah. was it a slightly convoluted process? Normally, Steam auto updates everything. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't updating for some reason. I guess uh, Bioware hadn't worked with Steam as well as they do now, and we had to go and find the patches and install them manually. But I mean, it wasn't a big deal. Because we've done it before, but for a new person, I can see that'd be kind of an annoying task. Yeah. So definitely, if you got a choice between you know a PC or a 360 version, and for some gosh darn reason, just haven't played this this gem of a game, uh, definitely check out the. Uh, if you got a good PC that can handle it, definitely um, check out the PC version. Um, it is uh, right now. It's nineteen ninety nine. I've seen it on sale once in a while, like you said, for for nine ninety nine. They'll do their fifty percent off discounts here and there and whatnot. But nineteen ninety nine certainly not a not a bad price at all for this very very uh, beautiful and, and fun to play RPG. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but the story is just absolutely fabulous, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, it definitely. I think the story. I'm trying to compare it to two. Um, there's a lot more to I mean, they actually have different elements in the story, and two is more like, well, you got the beginning, you got the end, and the middle is up to you. And one is definitely more of a follow the storybook, make the choices, and be who you want to be. Now, so, if you're thinking about picking up two, should you go back and play one first? Um, yeah. yeah. There you have it. Mass Effect. And with that being said, we'll go ahead and move on to our main event. In case you didn't catch it from the races that we are broadcasting earlier, watching the Degen race with each other and whatnot, 
today we are talking about Golden Sun and Golden Sun The Lost Age, two excellent RPGs, some would argue the best RPGs, um, on the Game Boy Advanced. Uh, Golden Sun came out in 2001, and The Lost Age came out a couple of years later in 2003. Actually, it's like a year and a half apart or whatnot. But um, now, before I start, now you guys are the experts on this game. And I'm going to let y'all talk and pretty much let y'all carry the conversation. But I, I'm going to, I want you guys, because uh, I'm pretty sure all of you are in favor of this game. And I'm going to, I'm going to, but I'm going to give you my viewpoint from, from just playing it. And granted, I haven't had a lot of time with it. I played it for about five hours so far. The first three hours were like nails across a chalkboard. Okay, I'm playing this kid. Did these two kids? Okay, the beginning was kind of cool. Uh, something about uh, you know uh, disaster, uh, boulders flying in down everywhere that just conveniently fall where you're trying to go to next in the town. So you have to keep uh, you know walking around them. Every time I'd walk down a path, boom! There's another boulder right there. <laughs> just stopped it. Got to turn around, try something else. Uh, got through that whole scene. Somebody dies. It was tear jerking. Um, and that you know, is cute, though. It sets up a story. Um, now you see the kids a few years later, and uh, we're, we're for whatever reason we're going to go out and talk to some old man. Okay, that's fine. That that happens in RPGs all the time. Some some seedy people stop us. These the powerful looking thief looking magic dudes, whatever have you. Um, they're giving us a hard time, but they let us go. We're all relieved, even though we all know they're evil somehow because they're emanating evilness. I guess we go talk to the old man. And the old man has had a chance to talk to these evil people first, so we have something in common. Great. Now, apparently, the thieves told the evil man that that there's this that in this shrine that everyone knows that there's this shrine, but it's a secret shrine. No one's supposed to go into it. But uh, the thieves gave him some details about the shrine, and and now this is a shrine that no one's supposed to go into. But the old man and the kids figure, you know what? You know, how do we know these thieves are telling us the truth or not? Just because they're thieves, we should go into the sacred hidden holy temple and check it out for ourselves. You know, just to confirm whether or not what thieves have said is true. Now, I, I, this, is a, this is a temple that no one's supposed to be going into for decades or centuries or whatever have you, but we're going to break all of that just to validate whether or not these thieves are telling the truth or not. We go into the temple, get past all the conveniently placed traps that don't manage to kill anybody, so they're not very effective. We get in there, and we get into the Holy of Holies. We get to the center of this thing where all of the elemental orbs are at, which we're not supposed to be here. And every time the guy would ask me, should we go further? I would keep saying no. And he's like, come on. I would say no again. Dang it, I'm going on without you. And then my friends would say, come on, main character. you got to come with us. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here saying no every time. I keep getting dragged into this whole mess. I know it's, it's nothing but trouble. So we, 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 So then the old man says, you know what? We've come this far. Let's go get the holy orbs that we're not even supposed to be here, much less looking at them, much less touching them. And, of course, I say no, but, of course, I get forced to do it whether or not I want to. So, of course, they go collecting golden orbs, and, of course, really bad things happen because I could see that coming a mile away or whatnot. So then we get out of there, and we're told that we have to go and save the world by the ancient eye of wisdom or whatever have you. Go to the first town. Try to figure out who stole this guy's ride. Oh, it just it goes on and on. Please tell me. Please tell me. I, I know when I talk to other people about this game, they tell me, Phil, it's the battle system that say the battle system is just so cool. The character development is so cool. But please tell me that the story is not so excruciatingly bad throughout this whole thing. That kind of <laughs> is. It kind of is, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty goofy, uh, but uh, it, story it, it really does work. <laughs> So let's start off talking. We'll start off with the. We'll, we'll start off then with the. With maybe we'll start off with the ugly stuff first, and then hopefully it'll just go up and get better from here. Let's talk a little bit about the story first. Who wants to start? There was a story. 
Okay, Adrian. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I can see where you're where you don't like the story at the beginning there, and I agree. It gets it's pretty messed up in the beginning, uh, especially in the first game. Uh, the first game was not the best of the two. Uh, the second game really picks up a lot, uh, a lot where the second one leaves off, and it takes a while to get going. So uh, the first one is really slow to start, but once you put in the time, it really does getting uh, really good. The, uh, the the characters aren't that interesting, but the plot gets really uh, really crazy as things go on, especially in the second game. Yeah, and especially for the first game, you got to remember that came out within uh, five six months of the Game Boy Advance being released. So for a game at that time spanning a system's lifetime. Uh, we weren't counting on two, a good story at that point in the Game Boy Advance's lifetime, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Anything to add to that, Mr. Michael? No, the story was forgettable. Yeah, I have to agree. It, I don't know, I just the characters were occasionally interesting, but then they just had moments of complete stupidity. <laughs> okay, I was just making sure I just didn't lost my marbles. Charles... Well, Charles, yeah, you, you gotta love all the ellipses that Camelot threw in, because that's one of oh, Camelot's fuck. trademarks. That your main character will speak with ellipses, nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And when he's not your main character anymore, he suddenly unmutes and becomes able to speak again. And many, and uh, within the first, I will say one thing that kind of struck out to me is in the first, you know, three to five hours or whatever that I'm playing it, I was given a lot of chances to say yes or no. Of course, most of the time that didn't really seem to mean anything. Is that the way to throw out the whole game? You get other yeah, opportunities? Yes. <laughs> Almost all the time. Okay. I just... yes. Besides Western RPGs, when was the last time saying no got you anywhere? I'm just checking. I'm just... Actually, what, what, what struck out to me was just the sheer number of times. Actually, I think that... I don't know. I've read about this and I answered it myself, but apparently when you're like, you know... After the whole catastrophe and everything, you have to go on your mission. The village elder asks, "Will you do it?" Apparently, if you say "game," um, no, you get a game over. <laughs> oh, nice! I didn't try it there. Uh, you know what? By the time by the time I got to the village elder uh, and he asked me that question, I had just pretty much given up all hope because, like the other eighteen times before, I said no. I got drunk against my will anyway. So, and I was ticking. And the funny thing was, I was ticking everybody off in the pro in, in the process because you know I would say no, and it, it's really cute. It does those little emotes above their head with the little frowny faces, little angry frowny faces, showing me. You know, it's giving me visual feedback that I suck in role playing. So, uh, just, it was a little awesomeness, so, uh, okay, uh, Charles. I can remember exactly one, it's in the second game, uh, you beat up a guy, and then much later on, he's so scared of you that he calls out his grandma to help him, his grandma is going to beat you up where he failed, and if you say yes, at that point you fight a boss, if you say no, then you get to run away and, uh, replenish your inventory or whatnot, that's the only one I can remember. Okay. There you go. Well, okay, so we established that when it comes to being able to affect your story and stuff, this thing isn't uh, Dragon Age Origins. Um, <laughs> Charles... That's not actually necessarily true. One of the great things about the story is it's extremely nonlinear. That, that's one of the things that uh, I noticed when I was playing the game. You can do a lot of the events in almost any order. Yeah, they don't really lock you out like most RPGs. Huh. Yeah, that's true. That's handy to know. Um... Charles. And levels don't mean as much in this game. It's all about your gene setup. 
So you can go off to some place that another game would flatten you immediately, but if you've got the right setup, then you can speak by well, we'll, we'll talk. Well, well, it's also limited by the number of gin you have too. Yeah. Well, let's let's save off on the gin for just a, a little bit further, because obviously the combat and the and how that works with the uh, with the gin setup is is obviously a, a big piece of this puzzle, the meat of the game, so to speak. But there, there is one thing else I want to kind of knock out the minor things first, um, and I'll start with Charles. Can you tell me what you thought about the the interaction? One thing I noticed about this game is that. Um, is is unlike just about every other RPG I played that was dated before this. Um, in this game, you can actually use your abilities to affect the the world around you, like using a, a whirlwind to blow away uh, something that's in your way, or using a psychic push to push big boulders out of your way. Um, and, and I don't know how far they developed that in the game. Was that was that oh. something that was really cool, or what? Yeah, that's the that main was... feature of the game. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much is. That's what sets it apart. Oh, I yeah, thought the combat fun. system was the main feature of the oh, game. Oh, not even close. No. It's all the puzzle be... elements. It's yeah, all about the puzzles. It's more combat with awesome puzzles. That's pretty much the game's main features. But no, they, they, you pretty much every build, almost half your abilities end up, you know, affecting the world map, and that's probably very different from, you know, most games where it's like, oh, yay, I have a new fire spell. I'll probably never use it. So yeah, give us some. Give us uh, Adrian. Why don't you give us some uh, some examples of, of of this? How this works? I know, like, and I've only been through a few hours, so I've moved a couple of boulders that were in my way. I blew away some leaves, and I read some people's minds. Does it get more more interesting? Does it get more complicated? Oh, it, it gets much more complicated. Uh, in the early parts of the game, obviously, you're just using uh, abilities like move and whirlwind to unlock paths, move boulders out of the way. But as uh, time goes on, you'll be uh, you'll be moving. Uh, for example, you can uh, use the move lift to lift boulders out of your path, and when boulders are lifted, you can uh, they you can uh, you can't jump over them when they, uh, they can end up being blocking rocks. So there's a couple of puzzles where uh, you have to lift certain boulders in order to get through the path. But if you lift the wrong ones, you won't be able to jump over the path uh, the path that leads later on. So you have to choose the right ones. Uh, there's other abilities that'll uh, affect the environment in different ways. There's at least what would you say? 20, 30 different abilities that uh, affect the map in some way throughout the game, and the later puzzles end up using almost all of them at the same time. It's really complicated. Really great puzzle design. Amazing level design. Yeah, there's a neat one near the end of the first game where you have to... There's an ability called Cloak that you get where you need to hide in the shadows and sort of play a stealth game for a while, and if you fail, there's no real bad consequence to getting booted back to the beginning of the dungeon, but it's still kind of fun to just sneak around in the darkness and hope that they don't see you. One ability I thought was really awesome was in the second game. Do you remember the ability Sand? Where uh, you, you end up melting into the sand and it lets you go beneath objects that are in the ground and, th and things like that instead of just jumping over them or whatever. There are some really cool puzzles involving that. Uh, the, the one I thought was the most interesting was uh, there's this part in one of the dungeons where uh, there's this giant head and if you approach the giant head, it its head its eyes glow red and it starts coming towards you and trying to crush you. And you have a split second to quickly use sand and hide in the sand as it passes over you. It was pretty sweet. Oh, I remember that now. That was pretty interesting. Michael, was there did 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 you find the puzzles interesting and fun? Yeah, I did. Um, I'm trying to remember what else I played around then. Um, but it was definitely one of the things where it was like, 
you didn't want a fact. You didn't want to know how to do it. You really wanted to figure it out because you had so many options. But they were all, you know, it wasn't like, well, push this rock here, slide this way. You know, it wasn't like an ice puzzle in a lunder or something. It was seriously a, you know, I, I have to figure this out. And so, yeah, I really like the puzzles. And it didn't just make the, uh, it didn't make you rely on the wonderful story to keep you going. <laughs> um, was there, was there, uh, with all these puzzles and, and you were describing, one of y'all was describing how you can move the boulders, but if you didn't move them the right way, is there any point where you could accidentally lock yourself out or, you know, may not be able to no, proceed? Uh, the dungeon element. No, you can always, always go back and. Go ahead. When you yeah, if you, if you, if you leave the room, all those, all the things you've moved, uh, reset back to where they were, so you just have to leave and go back if you end up getting to a point where you can't progress. Do you run out of, if you try too many times, do you run out of uh, power points? Yeah, but if you walk around... No, because they, they replenish while you walk around. Ah. If you really spam the moves, you could end up running out of power points, but that would take a long time since, especially towards the end of the game, you have like, what, 800 100. power points, and they cost two to use the move skill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never ran out of points or even got close to worry about them. Likewise. Okay, and now, do, are the puzzles in the Lost Age better than the ones in the original game? Yes. I don't know if they're better, but they're different and they're just as interesting. I would say they're better. Uh, the I, I played both games over the last couple uh, over the last year. I replayed both of them. And uh, the thing I noticed the most was that the Golden Sun, uh, the first Golden Sun, had a lot uh, shorter dungeons and generally simpler dungeons. They weren't as complicated, they weren't as hard, whereas the dungeons in, uh, in the Lost Age were massive, easily taking yeah. several hours to get through. There are only a few of those in that game, though, compared to the first one, though, right? Longer dungeons, but fewer? Well, I, um, I think it was... Yeah, there weren't as many. There weren't quite as many, but they were much more complicated and much larger. Yeah. Interesting. So let's move on to the um, let's move on to the audio and visual elements. What did y'all think of the uh, the graphics? Let's start off with uh, they were awesome in combat. Oh, phenomenal in combat! They were almost three D. Yeah, very beautiful. I mean, that was considering the battle system itself was kind of okay. It was like just watching it play out. It was like, dang, this is this is awesome. Now a lot of the elements, including uh, some of the um, the the graphic overlays, the text, as well as the battle system, totally remind. And I'm sure it's probably made by the same developer, but uh, totally reminded me of the um, Shining Force series. Same series. I mean, same series creator. So yeah, that's why. The little yeah, yeah the way. Yeah, the light up icons, and but I thought, I mean, and when I first started playing the game, and you're just doing a lot of talking, it's like, oh wow, and, you know, the menu options look exactly, you know, the the, the icons I use look exactly the same as that series. But yeah, when you get into the battle, you know, and the and the Sega Genesis, you know, I I played those guys growing up and stuff, and I always thought that the battle systems looked so so cool. Uh, but here, it definitely feels more 3D in the Sega Genesis when you're playing the what was that what was that series called again? Uh, <laughs> Shining Force. Shining Force. When you're, yeah. yeah, when you're playing Shining Force, it's very, even though, you know, it's very 2D-ish, the characters, you know, that you can definitely tell there's like all of four frames of animation when they attack. 
Um, but it's, it, it, you know, it looks more like a cartoon, whereas this one does, you know, you, I think that's as close as you can get to 3D without actually being 3D, the way they would pan the camera around uh, during the, the effects and zoom in and out. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a very good use. Do, do they look as good and do they look better in the second one than the first one? They look about the same. same, except there are a lot more animations. Oh, yeah, there's a lot more. What were you saying, uh, Adrian? I was just saying they are about the same, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and, uh, and what did y'all think? Uh, what did you think of the soundtrack, um, Charles? I don't really remember it. I I might not have played the music on because I occasionally don't do that with handhelds. Ah. How about? I say this is uh, one of Matoy Sakuraba's best works, and I really enjoyed listening to it. Plus, it doesn't have that Game Boy Advance cruddy sound quality that we got so often from so many games. It sounds pretty good, even coming out of the speakers, although listening through Game I Boy Advance speakers is I idea. agree entirely. I think it. I actually think it is Matoy Sakuraba's best work. Um, I've play, I play, uh, well, I've played most of the Tales games, and all the Star Ocean games and stuff like that. All the all the games that he's uh, most famous for, all the series he's most famous for. And of all those games, Golden Sun stands out as the most uh, the the best work I've I've heard from him. In fact, uh, I was shocked when I was look, uh, watching the credits afterwards and I saw his name come up because it does not sound anything like what he normally does. It's it's really impressive. Now I'm not now, as I much heard as much. I haven't heard as much other Motoi Sakurab as you have, but I've heard that this is very, very different from his usual style. Yeah, and I was about to say, I'm not very keen on the whole history thing. You guys are the experts, but uh, one, uh, that is definitely one part I enjoyed was the, was the, was the music. And um, especially if you're playing with the DS, you could put on the headphones, uh, regular headphones and stuff, and it sounds really great. Or do what I do, because I usually let the wife drive, and then I plug it into the little car microphone through the cassette player, and so it's coming through the car speakers. It's really awesome. Surround sound. She's like, what in the hell are you doing? And I'm playing my Game Boy with surround sound in the car. Let me turn up the bass. It's really great, guys. It's awesome. Yeah, see, we have the rule that the driver picks the station, so that ain't happening here. Yeah, but you see, she's actually still learning how to drive, and therefore I'm the driving instructor, and therefore I'm the boss. So I'm enjoying my privileges while I still can. <laughs> Once she has her driver's license, it might be a different story, but until then, I still got control of the cassette deck. She's not even, she's not up to the level yet where she can multitask and play with the radio station while she's driving. So, yeah. So keep that in mind. All right. So let's. Uh, anything else to comment on as far as the graphics or the visual sign? What did what, what did uh, uh, let's say, uh, Adrian? What did you think about the, the design of like the uh, the worlds and the towns and and whatnot? Um, the visuals are uh, as as far as sprite based go, games go, they were very colorful, very attractive. I I really like the visual style that the game has, uh, especially the sprites. The sprites were uh, phenomenal. They were uh, really high quality, high. Uh, High, uh, high detailed sprites. What'd you think? Uh, what'd you think, Mike? Uh, I'm pretty much with Adrian here. I, I enjoyed looking at the sprites, even when they were barraging me with reams of text. I enjoyed looking <laughs> at the environment. They all looked the same. The text it itself didn't look so great, but that's okay. 
Yeah, the, the environments outside of battle may not push the Game Boy Advance the way the battle graphics do, but they look interesting, and you're never confused about where you are, and there's always something a little bit different. Even when you're going into a second desert, that desert doesn't look the same as the first one. There are different features to it. So they did a good job varying the landscape and keeping you interested in what you were seeing. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add as a, a quick addition. Um, the only part of the graphics I really didn't think were very good was the world map. That was has got to be the ugliest world map I've ever seen in an RPG. It was mm. just hideous. Kind of looked like somebody kind of ate up their spinach and spit it out, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good way to describe it. That's it a beautiful was image, Phil. So Thank you. That's what I'm here for. Colorful commentary and and periodic uh, comedy relief. So, <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk about uh, let's talk a little bit about the the Degen system. Who feels like they're the most expert on explain this thing to me? Because I I will say I read the you know they have the little tutorial at the beginning, and I spent 15 minutes while in McDonald's while the wife was slowly <laughs> eating her chicken McNuggets. And this has got to be the first time in a very long time when after a 10-minute tutorial and a little guy at the end says, okay, um, I've told you everything. Do you want me to explain it again? I actually said yes. And, you know, okay. you never uh, do that in RPGs. You say yes in RPGs. I'm impressed. Yeah, and I said yes. I've never said yes before in an RPG where it asked me, did I ever want them to explain to me again? Even if I didn't figure, even if I didn't understand them, I don't want to go through another 10-minute tutorial again. I want to get, I want to get the hell out of that and get to playing the game. But in this case... Yeah, uh, I've I have spent over the last year or so playing those two games. I spent hours and hours and hours playing around with the gin, just because coming up with the different class combinations you can get out of it is just so much fun. Uh, it is complicated, and if you want explaining the whole thing is just a nightmare. If you thought that tutorial was complicated, when you hear the actual explanation of how deep that system goes, you your head will explode. It, it's that impressive. Okay, so you got these little Dijin. They're like Pokemon, right? You got to catch them all. Yep. And, and uh, then so you, like you somehow attach them to you. I guess you smash them into your forehead or something. I mean, <laughs> every every character has can keep. Uh, in the first game, they can keep seven Jin with them, and in the second game, they can keep nine Jin with them. Each Jin has an element. One of the four elements: earth, uh, earth, air, fire, or water. Uh, depending on which Jin you have. Uh, it changes your class, and the classes de uh, determine what skills you have. Uh, now, here's, here's where it gets really complicated. Uh, the classes are determined by the total number of elements that each character has equipped. Each character is an adept of a specific type of element. So, for example, Isaac and Felix are earth adepts, whereas uh, Jenna and Garrett are fire adepts, and so on. Um, being an adept of a special type, automatically grants you a certain number of gins worth of uh, that element, even if you don't have any gin equipped. And that's important because uh, depending on what, gin, uh, what element that character is, it determines the ratio of other gin they need in order to get a specific class. Uh, and in order to get a very specific class, for example, ninja, a fire adept will need a different combination of gin than an earth adept would need because they have uh, different opposing and aligning elements. Did your head explode yet? No. Oh, oh well, they, they, why didn't they just say that to begin with? It's so clear now. <laughs> well, see, oh. the, 
I think the biggest problem is, is yeah, there's this complex thing, and yeah, it's really great, but when it comes down to it, I bet 90% of the people says, oh, you're the fire guy, you get the fire ones, you're the earth girl, you, you know, whatever. It's just like, line them up and send them out. That, works that for is about the easiest way to do it. And for the most part, for playing the uh, most part of the game, that is uh, sufficient, but if you actually get into it, and uh, when I first played those games, that's what I did. I just threw the fire or fire uh, fire gin on the fire guy, the earth gin on the earth guy. But uh, in my the playthroughs I played through in the last uh, year or so, I actually went into the nitty gritty of the uh, the gin system, and I realized how much I was missing because those those classes you can get by messing around with the gin are are insanely powerful. They're like three times as powerful possibly uh, than the base classes, and it just makes it makes the game much more, uh, much easier and much faster and much more enjoyable because uh, you struggle less with the combat. Also, kind of needed occasionally for some bosses, like the late game ones. Well, especially the op- especially the op- optional bosses too. If you're yep, using yeah. those base classes <laughs> for your optional bosses, you're gonna get trashed. And yeah. even the final boss of the second one's pretty bad without him. Yes, yeah, you, definitely. But you've, you've I, gotten I so beat that many. Guy the first time. You've gotten so many gin by that point that you're like. I think what I ended up doing, I think it was, by the end of the game, it was six of each element on their base, and then just mixing it up, and I had some seriously strong characters. Mm-hmm. Also, I have the two parties by then, so you really can pretty much do anything. Just hope you don't get died by a terrible mistake. Because <laughs> that can yeah. happen. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned the summoning aspect yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The summoning gets more interesting, because uh, every gin can either be set, or it can be charging, or it can be unset and if it's unset it can be used to summon stuff at which point it'll be charging oh sorry no it's uh yeah that's it if it's unset it can be uh used as a su- uh, for summoning and then it's charging for a couple of turns and then it's set again and uh if it's not set you don't get the oh class God, bonus the stats bonuses. but if it is uh <laughs> it's just complicated it, it, it's just a huge <clears throat> I yeah, and also, you can, you can just use the djinn without summoning it. Um, I remember Flash, in particular, had the incredibly helpful effect of uh, reducing your damage by 60% for that turn, which made it very useful to keep, uh, to keep around. Other djinn had uh, probably not as useful effects, but if you wanted to just throw them at the enemies and see what they did instead of summoning them, you could do that. <laughs> you guys are making me want to play this again. <laughs> a great, a great tactic in that game too is, uh, especially uh, in most of the mid-game bosses, is just as soon as uh, when you know you're about to fight a boss, just unset all your gin, and as soon as you go in there, just fire all your summons at it. You'll <laughs> yeah, end they up just die. Actually, that's a very good strategy for the final boss. That's the only way I want. <clears throat> that's actually a terrible strategy for the fire boss because uh, fire boss because you, you don't kill it. It'll destroy you the next turn. Well, guess what? I did the um, normal way. I still died twice. I decided I'm just going all or nothing. So I... Although, actually, if, you're, if your second party in the second game is strong enough to uh, beat that guy and you have all their gin set, you can just basically throw a, a suicide run with your first party, just launch as many summons as you can in your first turn, and then let them die and bring your second party out and then fight it normally. That's kind of what I did. Yeah, that's Same the nice thing about having a double team. You can just you don't you don't lose until everyone has lost. Yay! Yeah, not a lot of RPGs do that either. Final that's Fantasy the only Twelve. Like, that's the only other game I can think of that does that. Yeah, Final Fantasy Twelve. That that kind of shocked me when I finally lost my first party in Twelve. I'm like, I'm not dead. 
Really? Sweet. <laughs> and then, of course, I had to spend another two minutes going, how do I raise anyone who's not in the party? So I actually, I think for almost an hour, I would literally leave one person dead in the party just so I could raise them. <laughs> Was it, um, didn't they, I can't remember, in Dragon Warrior 4, when you had the people in the wagon? Uh, if I, I, I can't remember if they jumped out or not. If you, you were quiet. in the, if you were outside and you actually had the wagon... They would come and join you, but if you went to a dungeon, you had picked your party, so you're on your own. Yeah. So, um, with so as you when you were explaining, um, Adrian, about the different classes you could unlock, and it, you kind of remind me a little bit about Final Fantasy Tactics um, and whatnot. And I know how much you love those strategic <laughs> tactical RPGs that you mentioned earlier. These are but, the best. Um, I remember one thing in Tactics, so maybe it kind of relates here, maybe it doesn't. I, I remember Tactics uh, when I was playing, and I, I, I kind of, um, I wanted to unlock some of the cooler character classes, but um, I didn't want to sit there and level every class to level 8 before I figured it out. So I went online had to look up a FAQ in order to figure out how to effectively do that. Do you have to use a FAQ to figure these things out, or or does you, it take you, you longer? Can or? You can screw around with it and sort of figure it out, but uh, an FAQ is definitely helpful because it, it, explain, it explains the system a lot better than uh, than the game does, and moreover, it can give you a bunch of really good uh, gin or uh, organizations, because uh, optimizing it can be very difficult. I, yeah. I refused to read the walkthrough, but the gin um, strategy, the, the gin part of the strategy guide was essential. It yeah, pretty much is. Really is that good, yeah. Okay, so so basically, depending on how well you did with uh, uh, with the with the gin, basically determine how easy or hard your your battle game part of the game was. Mm, yeah, kind of. The gin were oh, yeah. the, the class class arrangement were what determined how hard the game was. Yeah. If you throw just a bunch of random gin on people, then you're going to have a really hard time. You need to think about that before you go in. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a great way to play the game on on Although hard. There hard are ball. very easy uh, multi-gin setup that you can set up without even really having to think about it. Um, all you really have to do is just swap out two gin for each of the character and just have seven gin of one and two of another, and you'll have a great class setup, which is one of the nice, easy setups to do, and you don't really have to think about it too much. So... If you choose to use that, that's probably the best. If you don't want to use an FAQ screwing around with gins, that's the best way to go. I I will cut in there and say I do believe I cheated on a fact when I was missing one of them. Because that not, is another not thing. All, gin locations. The gin locations are hard to find. That's another yeah. thing that the FAQ. Especially in the second works. game. In the second game, yes. they were they were there were some Actually, optional ones. I just had no idea where they were. I, I found the optional ones in the first one were worse, cause especially there were more on the world map than there were in the second game in the first one. Uh, and the ones in the world map were the hardest ones to find because you just sort of have to you have to know where they are. Otherwise, you just sort of have to randomly hope you run into them. Oh no, I ended up grinding a lot, so I ended up running into them anyway. The ones were easy. It was the ones hidden in a dungeon on the third path to the left behind the hidden wall. I was like, what? <laughs> well, the dungeon ones I never uh, never had problems <clears throat> finding the ones in the dungeon. It was always the ones that were out of the uh, like in places that you don't normally have to go. The ones that are hidden on the world map because those little nooks and crannies in the world map, there's no reason to go there. But Yeah, I remember one on a little uh, 
peninsula or whatnot stuck in the middle of a gigantic circle of water. And unless you know that there's a gin there, there's no reason to go walk up in that place. Yeah. And sometimes you're just, <clears throat> you get to the puzzle and you're like, well, there has to be a gin here because this puzzle is just stupid. <laughs> do do um do having certain um gin equipped affect how fast your stats grow when you level up? Um your stats are determined by your gin. Um your stats grow at a, a constant rate uh as a base rate, but your gin depending on uh your gin affects your character class and your character class in turn uh turn determines your your stats. It uh yeah, generally you, your class um, it, unset every gin you've got, then suddenly you're going to have really, really weak people. And the gin mm -hmm. you've got on really alter your stats. Uh, I didn't experiment too much with that, but I remember seeing the effect was dramatic if you switch a couple around. Well, what the what each class actually does, each class has a modifier to each stat, So uh, and uh, the modifier is a percentage. So uh, your, your stats increase by that percentage. A lot of them are... Uh, the base ones are obviously 100%, but if you get into the high, the higher classes, it can increases almost to 200%, which means you're going to be having twice as, uh, twice as many stats if you're that class than if you have no gin set. Okay. Um, and while we're talking about gin and finding them, we should mention how you transfer them from the first game to the second one. Because, Adrian, you told me you did this with the password. Oh, God. The uh, password system in the oh first game to the God. second one was a nightmare. <clears throat> the password is 100... No, no, it's like 200 and something. 260 characters. I counted I, it. it. Yeah, it's I, 200, 260 characters. And these aren't even, like, it's not, not even, like, just uh, alphanumeric characters or anything. No, no, no. There's a random assortment of letters. It's not every letter. It's only some letters. <laughs> Then there's those same letters in capital upper and lowercase, upper and lowercase, and then there's all the all the alpha uh, all the numerals, so one through zero, and then there's a bunch of symbols thrown in there as well. It, it's just insane, and a lot of them, it's difficult. Uh, like if you're writing it down, yeah, you can't tell. Don't write it down. Type it out. Just take I, my I advice. It, don't write it down. I wrote it type down. It out. I typed it. I took a freaking picture of it. It would not work. <laughs> I literally had to yeah. find a second it's Game bad. Boy and, like, hook it up, because it just would not work for me. There was something I was missing. If you screw oh. up even one character, it won't work. It's that it's that sensitive. It's just a nightmare. I finally got it to work, but I had to type out every letter one by one. And the thing is, the font they use for that is not very clear, so oh, occasionally yeah. you might find, you might find let, uh, letters or digits that look like something else. So you have to look very, very carefully and distinguish exactly what it is. It, it's just, it takes forever. And so, God help if you input the whole 260 characters and it's wrong. Because then you have to go back to the... Five times. Yeah, well, this might be one of those great... That, this might be one of those chance times where you might, for those of you who did so, might actually be glad you held on to your old GBA, so that way you can have your DS, your GBA, you have Golden Sun in one, the Lost Age in the other, and you just kind of transcribe. Unfortunately, you can't, because the GBA link cable won't connect to a DS. No, yeah, but I mean, you, you, could, you, could, you could look yeah, at the screen on the... your old GBAs. Yeah, use your GBA, just look at the screen on the characters, oh, and then I type them in. Yeah. Yeah, but you, if you do that. If you had two Game Boy Advance and you had a link cable, then you didn't have to go through all the typing, right? Yes, yeah, so yeah. one advance. Yeah. 
luckily for Golden Sun 3, if they do do a data transfer in Golden Sun 3, they'll just be able to let you put the the Game Boy game into the port. Which, uh, is nice. which doesn't exist on DSi, so I bet they won't yeah. be allowed to yes. do that. Yeah, they probably no, they, won't. They could, still, they could still be allowed to do it, I think. it's just It would just be optional, right? Nintendo is really strict about if it can't be done on certain versions of the hardware, then it can't be done, period. That and, you know, the next one, the new one, isn't well, really they, quite that's related. Feature still, that feature still exists for the uh, new Pokemon games, though, doesn't it? For uh, oh, Heart yeah. Gold and uh, Soul Silver? You can it still have the Emerald Sapphire. Does, does Heart Gold and Soul Silver were talked to the third generation? I didn't know if it did. I know the I'm fourth did, sure, but, but those wait, came I can, out for the oh, DSi. It, does have, it has the power park, but I don't know if it has the um, thing where you well, put the game in a certain value of different Pokemon. Oh, no, but if it at least has the power park, then they aren't allowing that, but that's also a yeah. functionality of a game that's already released on the DS. It's kind of like people are expecting it. Yeah. But I don't know, for the Golden Sun DS, they may or may not have a transfer system. I would probably say not, just because of the fact that it is kind of a very distant sequel story-wise. I don't really see why you'd carry over all your stuff. It looks like they're going for a fresh start. Yeah, that's we don't know how good the sequel is going to be yet, because they haven't told us anything about it. But yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves if we're going to talk about Golden Sun 3. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, how much optional stuff there is to find in this game aside from the gin, because there are a bunch of hidden dungeons and whatnot and extra items that you can run around and look for and spend lots of hours with. Oh, they're trying to get all the best equipment takes forever. Well, a lot of yeah, that drops from enemies, and they're rare drops, too. Oh, God. And something you also have to get in minigames, which are really annoying. At least I think that was right. Annoying minigames? Oh. I, don't remember mi- I don't remember minigames in Golden Minigames at all. I don't remember any either. Uh, I remember I'm... a couple of annoying puzzles. I'm trying to remember if there's anything... I remember there's something you had to collect and then try to throw them into a dwell or something. Some kind oh, of Oh, the metals. Thing. The metal game. That was all random. There was really nothing you could do about that one. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Well, there's supposed to be a lot of good um, stuff they like certain... Like, the first game, the main problem is two of your characters have no speed, so if you don't get speed boots, they're pretty much screwed. So I remember that was one really annoying thing. How about Colosso? Anybody have fun with that? Colosso? I'm trying to remember what that one was. Was, was that the, the, the giant golem that had, like, revived itself or regenerated its health or something like that? It was almost That's invincible. Big, tournament in the first game, you're doing it for uh, Abby, Dobby, whatever his face is, and Isaac has oh, to run that. around and fight several yeah. I remember oh, that, yeah. Right. Yeah, I cheated. I looked up what I had to do for the entire um, course because I didn't want to fail. There was another race, yeah, I mean, there was another thing similar to that, actually. In, uh, in the second game, there was something similar to that, where you had to race another guy up. Oh, on, yes, uh, I remember that. Down. You're racing... Um, the Braves. I guess, I guess yeah. we can call them Indians because they're wearing uh, headdresses and it's really not subtle at all. And then you have to fight I them. I thought that, I like I liked those. Those were fun. They were, uh, it was a challenge trying to do uh, those solve those puzzles in a short amount of time. I'm paranoid, so I just, you know, had to look up those ones because I'm just, I'm, if I'm not getting it right, I get real pissed off. <laughs> yeah, they so definitely I, I, got the blood flow. Don't, don't make Charles angry. He wouldn't like him when he's angry. The one thing I really liked about the Col- Colossus, so now that I remember what, what it was, is that you could have your other characters help you cheat. That, that was Yay. just a great little addition. 
I remember that, and I remember exploiting it to its fullest because, let's face yeah. it, if I can have them cheat for me, then I will. I'm just that kind exactly. of guy. Sweet. Well, we're going to get this um, uh, wrapped up here. So, why not give each of you 60 seconds. Let's just say you walked up to your average RP gamer on the street. Uh, wrap us up in a nutshell and explain to RPG fan XYZ why he should uh, rush out and get Golden Sun. Go, Adrian. If you, if you like games with puzzles, if you like games like Legend of Zelda, uh, this is unquestionably the RPG you, gotta, you have to play. The puzzles are fantastic. It's got some of the best level design I've ever seen. The class system is terrific, and even the plot keeps you going. Uh, keeps you going throughout the game. It's, it's just, especially in the second game, it just gets amazing. Uh, it's one of my all-time favorite game series. I would recommend it to anyone. Very good, Mr. Charles. Let's see. Um, I would probably say if you're really interested in sort of an old-school kind of experience with the classic combat and a lot of charm and the characters and writing occasionally. This is definitely a good game for you. And it does have a lot of depth with the puzzles and with the gen system, so there's a lot for everyone of any age. Great. Mr. Michael. Um, really, it's just the uh, the puzzles. And I, I, the more I thought about it, the more really... The battle system, you can just munge through it or whatever. Like, I've always said this for Final Fantasy games. You can press X all you want if that's all you want to do. But if you want to explore the system and have fun with it, you can do some really cool stuff. There you go. And last, but undoubtedly not least, Mr. Mike. Golden Sun is one of the best RPG series on the Game Boy Advance, undoubtedly. Uh, the story, you have to give it a while to get going, but even if your focus is story above all else, it will eventually get good, and the combat may not be the greatest in the world, but it's definitely fun to watch. If you want to just blaze through it and not tinker too much, you can do that. If you want to experiment with the gin and find out what kind of classes are good for different situations, you can do that too. The puzzles will tax your brain and keep you thinking, and there are even a few parts that will shoot your adrenaline up a bit. So this, has, this should have something for everybody. Awesome. Um, Golden, uh, if you're looking for this, uh, Golden Sun, uh, is going right now on eBay's half.com for about, uh, 12 to 15 bucks. The Lost Age is going, uh, around 20 bucks right now. Um, now those are, of course, not sealed. Those are just, uh, the games are the games with the instructions. Uh, and, uh, apparently Game Rankings agrees with you guys. Uh, Golden Sun and Golden Sun, the Lost Age were number three and number four. Uh, of in RPGs of all time for the Game Boy Advance. Care to guess what the first two were above it? Uh, Final six. Fantasy Six and Final Fantasy Four. Final Fantasy Six is correct, but not four. Oh. Mm. The, the number one spot went to. What's that? Yeah, I wasn't thinking Tax of Advance, but. Think, Mario uh, and Luigi would make sense, actually. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. it. Mario, Mario and Luigi. Luigi. Superstar Sega got a 90.3. Golden Sun number one's not too far behind, 89.6. So, a couple of really great games, and uh, especially if you still got the... Uh, personally, I like I, I personally like playing on the DS just because I can get that, the headphones on, or like I say, do it in the in the car with surround sound. It's very neat. So, <laughs> um, and actually, if you can actually go to a game store, and they actually do carry some old um, games, you can actually usually find them there for about... Ten bucks each, so yeah, um, that's true. definitely go there before you check online. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what I got two summers ago. 
Very you good get it for twenty bucks. That's a great deal. I yeah, for both I'd of them. Yeah. Jump on it for twenty bucks. Now, uh, it, it wouldn't be fair uh, to leave uh, this topic without making a quick aside. Y'all kind of touched on it just very briefly, but I understand that Golden Sun DS has been announced at some point, wasn't it? It was in the past year at E3. Last year. And you did they give walk, any deep? You could walk across a bridge. The end. The end. Okay. <laughs> all right. Glad we got all those details out on the table. So we don't, a, they, to, they show some it's actually, as well. It's actually the... Uh, I think it's still one of our most popular YouTube videos. Chris just videotaped the uh, the little demo, and it was like you walked out of the house, you walked across the bridge, and then it did a bunch of flash stuff. And it, it's just crazy. People are like, where'd you get? Oh my gosh, how do you have Golden Sun Ball? It's like it, it's a thirty second demo, dude. What are you excited about? <laughs> yeah. So we don't know if this is a, if this is actually going to be a sequel or a remake. Well, it, it's I can't even. I heard, heard that it's uh, starring the kids from of the of the stars from the first game, but I don't know how accurate that was. Well, we, we've we've seen pictures of the characters, and they look a lot like Isaac Gar- uh, Isaac Garrett and Mia. So it's it would make sense if it's their kids. Yeah, I don't know if it's Isaac even their kids. Like Mia. Yes. Wait, did Isaac did Mia uh, just have a fling with Isaac, and then have another fling with Garrett or something? Yes. I have no idea. No, no, there's one character that looks like Mia. That's the thing, right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it, there's also talks about it, you know, being a bit more than just one generation. Might be a hundred or so years, but it's it is a sequel and slightly more removed than the other ones, where it's kind of a direct continue of about basically twenty minutes later. Here's the next storyline. It's definitely a much farther sequel than before. Now, Adrian, you played it more recently than I have. Do you remember if the wise one was saying that Alex has uh, extended life or immortality or something? Um, I don't remember him actually saying that specifically, but he did. He does say specifically, uh, if we have, uh, he says something along the lines of, if we ever meet again someday, uh, uh, he won't interfere or something like that or something like that. Uh. He, he mentioned he does say something about there's a chance that they'll meet again someday if he survives, and it's okay. never clear if he does survive or not. But to clear things up, he does get the golden sun, and he's not dead at the end. He might be dying, but he's not dead. But he's working on it. He's working, he's working on it. <laughs> yes. Well, he's falling into a volcano. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's risky. Yeah. He has a water adept, though, so he has the power to heal himself if necessary. He's also paralyzed at the time, too, though, so that doesn't really help. <laughs> oh, water yeah. synergy is really powerful stuff, especially once right. you've got the golden sun. That's my explanation. Remember that. I forgot that they kind of left you like, uh, it, this This is it? It There's really no leaves it hanging. The game yeah, was, I'm, I'm 90% that. sure the game was supposed to have a third part. It was. It, it, it seems like it was supposed to have a third part, but they never got around to doing it. I don't know. I, yeah. When I played it, I really didn't think there needed to be a third part. I mean, it it looked like you you know you could easily say he died or did not die, and he didn't seem to have almighty power like you thought. So I don't know. I didn't really think the ending was a complete cliffhanger. I mean, it wasn't like saying, "Oh my God, that's be a third one right now." It's just more of like, well, you know, if they ever decide to continue it, they have this plot line. Still. Oh, ten years later. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it sure wasn't the cliffhanger that the first one was, but well, and yeah. a few things are. The first one is kind of like Lord of the Rings ending. Or Here comes Book 2. 
basically like, uh, yeah, we're done. Um, this is a long story, and we're stopping here. So just go buy the next one. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and then it came out in Japan in um, summer of 2002, as I recall, and then it took Nintendo almost a year to bring it over. So hopefully it'll be a little faster turnaround with number three. Who knows? Okay. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Get over to our next section, Mike's Import Corner. which I first learned about when I was cruising around Sega 16 and saw somebody reviewed it and apparently had lots of trouble until a translation came around. So I thought, huh, that seems interesting. And then I picked it up, and it's an interesting action RPG, especially for 1992. Nothing special nowadays, but it's, it's a fair amount of fun. I had fun with it. Uh, you control just your basic guy. This is It plays kind of like your standard Zelda overhead view. Uh, you start out with a really short sword, which is typical for a lot of action RPGs with lousy weapons, but you get a lot more variety as it goes on. You get lances, you get axes, you get wands that shoot projectiles in weird directions. You get a gun, as I recall. So, especially for 1992, that's pretty advanced inventory, and that was the main aspect of the game. It was fun killing things. And it needed to be because your guy was usually slower than the enemies. And he had to jump a lot, and that was an irritating thing. Jumping in an overhead view is never all that much fun. And especially in the final dungeon, there were several floors where if you, with moving platforms and big black holes, and if you fell through, then you had to go march up another three floors to go do it all over again. Um, also, being able to save anywhere especially in 1992, again, was really nice. Uh, yeah, I've just summed up most of the aspects of the game. As you gave it, it uh, <laughs> I was looking at your review. Um, so, I mean, it sounds kind of cool on one hand. I mean, um, from, I mean, aside from Zelda, I don't recall a whole ton of, of game. Well, Zelda, well, no, this is 92. That's even further back. Um, that sound like that. So it, it sounds kind of cool, but there were also some things that held it back, evidently, for you to give it a 2.5. Yeah, well, I also got proof by Glenn on that one, and we all know how Glenn feels about action RPGs. Uh, <laughs> Blame it on the Glenn. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. He wanted me to go lower. It sounded worse to him. But, again, for 92, the story was all right. You play 
a guy who is supposed to be watching a holy relic. I didn't pay too much attention. He was in Japanese, so I didn't care too much. But you are the standard guy who loses his protected item and has to go find it because he's an idiot. Uh, the slow movement and, and the jumping really do knock you down a bit. And, yeah, it's an easy import, at least. You'll talk to a few people in your well, next it's path. An easy, like, it's an easy import, but after you said that, I don't want to import it. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather I said, dang, this game is really hard to understand. Okay. You need to go talk to people all the time, and they're speaking kanji, so I can't understand it without getting somebody to translate. Oh, man. I got, I got a challenge for you, Mike. Next week, I want. Next time we do a backtrack, I want you to talk about an import game that's just so killer awesome that everyone who listens is going to want to import it. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> trying to space those out, but I'll take it under advisement. How's that? Uh, oh, they're, 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 are they so far few between that you have to space them out? It's more like we're cranking these out so fast that I have to go through my inventory. Uh, no. I'll talk about it. I'll talk about one that was really awesome next time. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. Okay, so um, with it being an action RPG, is the language uh, barrier an issue? Not really. An uh, action RPG. You yeah. go kill things and use involve. Switching items, switching your equipment is a little more of a pain, but if you've ever dealt with any item equipment system in an RPG, you should be able to figure this out. Okay, so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up and we'll uh, move on to our last segment, The Last Laugh. Anyways, <laughs> I want to take a moment out to thank everybody who wrote on the boards. <laughs> there were a lot of comments about our podcast, our Castlevania podcast that we did last time. It must have been, I think uh, a lot of them had to do with uh, with Mike's excellent reporting in the field from the heart of Dracula's castle. <laughs> hey, myself through literal hell for that, and I wanted people to know. Oh, they know. They know. There was a lot of comments on there. We, we certainly appreciate it. There's just, and a lot of really, you know, in-depth comments that I just can't take the time to read. Uh, just a ton of things on the board. So if you haven't checked out our boards at RP Gamer, definitely go and uh, and check them out. I, didn't, I scanned, uh, scanned through it, read through them all. I didn't really see anything, though, asking us uh, anything about Golden Sun series. So uh, we don't have any questions, I guess, from the panel from the audience today, but you're more than welcome to um, write us questions about our next show. We're going to be talking about Shadowrun, so if you have questions about the Shadowrun series, uh, you can go ahead and get those up on the boards. Um, do, do, do we have um, do we have a, any, any contest question today, Mike? Do you have a gift card ready? Uh, maybe. Somewhere. <laughs> I think I got one in, you know, in 
my pants pocket somewhere that I sat on all day. It's a little crumpled up, but it'll work. Oh, goodness. As long as it works. But yeah, if you want me to come up with a contest question, I certainly have one. It won't be necessarily easy, though. Yeah, the, the, yeah. let's make it a tough one. What you got? All right. Everybody listened to this kid at the beginning, and it had a certain inspiration in the musical world. I don't want to know the inspiration. I want to know what inspired the song that we used as our inspiration. What inspired the artist to make the song that we used as an inspiration for that skit? There and I'm not go. going to tell you the artist either, because that would partially give it away. Okay. So, uh, go ahead and answer that question, and you can send that answer to jcservantrpgamer.com or what's your email address? albertodacy at hotmail.com. There you go. Um... And just as a reminder to our listeners, you may record and email um, questions or two-minute reviews on the games that we're talking about next week, um, and email those to jcservant at rpgamer.com. Feel free to follow us on twitter.com forward slash rpgamer. Become our biggest fans at facebook.com forward slash rpgamer. Um, I want to thank uh, Michael, Adrian, and Charles, and my co-host Mike for doing an outstanding job today. Or tonight, actually. It's pretty late. <laughs> do uh, do y'all have anything uh, for us uh, before we go? Adrian, got anything you want to say? Um, if you haven't played Golden Sun yet, you should do that immediately. Would you say, would you say Adrian, that, that a person who goes around saying, oh, I'm an RP gamer, can really claim that if they haven't played Golden Sun? Uh, no. Yeah. No, Golden <laughs> Sun is too damn good. Yeah, That's right. Played. But then again, I haven't played Final Fantasy VI, so... And I oh! Oh! oh. <laughs> Wait, why do we let him on again? Uh, <laughs> uh, don't worry, guys, don't worry. The guy who went through the Star Ocean Forest firestorm for us? We can, we can, we can recover this. I can, we can edit him out. We can, Star Ocean Forest sucks, I stand by that. We, we can edit out his comment where he said he hasn't played it. I can edit that out so we don't discredit the entire site, okay? That can, that, we can do that. Charles, do you have anything for our audience before we leave? No, I do not. Michael. I'm going to go play Golden Sun now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this oh. podcast is the greatest inspiration in the world, then. Absolutely. Clearly that's, it is. And that's what we're all about. Uh, in fact, somebody was writing on there. Uh, I, I, they didn't necessarily uh, say that that we inspired them to, but they mentioned that they were quitting Warcraft and, and going back and playing some uh, some of these really great games and series that we're talking about. To our audience, that's you. We thank you for listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you are the reason we do this. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservantrpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, at rpgamer.com. Mike, send us away. I'd like to end with a simple appeal for additional information on the upcoming Golden Sun for Nintendo. We don't often talk about series with new entries on the horizon. The lack of anything since last year has made us very eager to hear some more. Say, now. Go ahead, Nintendo. We're waiting. <laughs>